Welcome to Digineer Presents, a podcast brought to you by Digineer, a management consulting firm based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. With this podcast, we hope to help you revolutionize the way you consult, deliver, and follow through with your clients. So up next, here are our hosts, Gus Broman and Joe Colomina. Hi, I'm Joe Colomina. I work for Digineer. I've been with Digineer for about 13 and a half years. I've been uh, in the uh, data industry for about 30 years, and I've been consulting for 20 plus years. We're here today to talk about CBM, or commitment-based management. I have my uh, my good friend and co-worker, Gus Broman, and I'd like for him to say a few things. Yeah, thanks, Joe. This is going to be really fun. My name is Gus Broman. I've been at Digineer for just over nine years now, and I've been in consulting for close to 15 years my area of interest and in industry is communication and change management. I'm actually an adjunct professor at Bethel University, and I am just delighted that we're going to be able to talk about commitment-based management. It's definitely uh, been transformative with, with Indigineer and then at many of our clients and candidly in my home life as well and in raising kids and and in my marital relationship. So this will be great. So the plan is we're going to do an introductory podcast, which is today, and then we'll get into each of the interaction principles. I've been teaching CBM at, at Digineer for, I think, about four years now. And I was asked to uh, lead the initiative way back then to, to get this to be part of our uh, culture and to ramp it up and get our company living and breathing this way of interacting. And so what we're going to first talk about is uh, interaction principles over the first series of uh, podcasts. And uh, I thought I'd go over what those are right now just to introduce the uh, next couple of shows. So with the interaction principles, what we have are six principles. The first one being grant trust. The second being be authentic. Three, provide no opening for grit. Four, complain for action. Five, be accountable. Six, be the team. Gus, what do you think of those? Actually, I'm going to back up a little bit because in the field of communication, there's always a different flavor, a different communication du jour and so I guess the question that I had when I was first introduced to commitment-based management is, why should we do this? How is this any different than any of the other tools and techniques I've read through in the last 20 years? And really what it came down to was, this really works well, commitment-based management in a matrixed environment. So many times you're working on projects where, as a consultant, you come in, and you are no one's boss, but yet you are supposed to deliver this project on time and under budget. So commitment-based management works really well in these matrix organizations, in organizations that are moving very fast, and where there's a high level of commitment. And the reason it can work is that uh, it sets expectations, and it really creates predictability. So, you know, and Joe, when you mentioned the interaction principles, yeah, that's basically the framework of all of this. And as you mentioned, the grant trust, 
If you're in a matrixed environment and you're moving fast, you don't have the time and the luxury to get to know everybody, to go have coffee with everyone, have a lunch with everyone, and build a relationship to know that they're going to deliver on time and deliver what you need. So when uh, when you meet somebody, it takes a little bit of background time. I mean, yeah. you have to learn their backstory. You have to spend time. You, right. There's give and take. And uh, when when you're dropped into a project, yes, in in the middle of the uh, reality of that whole thing, you right. have to immediately fall into a place where you can trust the individual that you're working with, right? Right. And Joe, I love it how you bring that up because I'm a very relational person and I want to meet all 57 people on the team, but time is of the essence. And so we just have to start moving fast. And I've learned that, you know, I want to grant trust and start moving immediately. But so many times if your, how do I say it, reputation and if your work stream is on the line, you're not going to grant trust. You're going to be nervous about it. So, yeah. And as a consultant, we're evaluated on is this going to work or not, right? I think maybe let's talk a little bit about some of the dysfunction that exists out there yeah. in the business world sure. that um, that we're going to try to help alleviate with these principles. I just recently started on a project, and, and, and I've seen this so many times when you um, immediately start getting copied on emails <laughs> that have about 15 people in the two line right. and maybe 40 people in the CC line. And the individual that started the original email thread, which is what it's become, right? originally asked essentially 15 people plus 40 people in the CC line for something. Now, how does that go? It goes, not it, not it. Not it, right? <laughs> if it, the more people you address it to, the least likely you're going to have someone respond and step up and do it, right? Yeah. We all assume that it's that other person in the next cube or in our current world down the block, right? I mean, right. I mean there there is that level of dysfunction that uh, in very functional work environments right. that we can really take these principles and help mitigate some of those things that, that happen uh, right. on a day-to-day -day basis, right? You know, I mean, I mentioned how I use this in my personal life. And what I love about commitments is so, so many times you hear the word commitment and you're like, oh, what does it mean that I have to do? But what commitment really means is predictability. And I love predictability. So I have one set of friends where if you say, hey, let's go and meet at the brewery eight o'clock on Thursday. I know they're going to be 15 minutes early. They're going to be there eight o'clock on Thursday. I have another set of friends that may or may not be there. And to them, if they text me before eight o'clock, before we said that we would be there, that they're going to be an hour late, to them, that's meeting the commitment. And it really isn't. So back to commitment-based management, what these commitments do, Joe, if you say, I'm going to get it to you by Friday at 10 a.m., it, one, releases me that I don't have to worry about it, and two, it shuts down all the communication. We don't have to go back and forth 
we can just wait and I know that you're going to get it to me on Friday at the time that you said. So that's what I like. I like the predictability of, of the commitment. Oh, absolutely. One of the overarching principles that we, we try to follow with CBM is reducing the friction that exists in day-to-day. And communication is definitely one of those things that, that experiences friction. It has an R factor, or whatever the uh, physics mm-hmm. term is for uh, coefficient of friction. There you go. And um, the goal is to try to reduce that in order to make our lives um, more predictable, as you were saying earlier. So, Joe, as I'm thinking about commitment-based management and as, as I'm thinking about communication, what excites me about this podcast that we're going to do together is you and I have worked at several different clients together, yet we've worked at different clients as well. Sometimes commitment-based management works, sometimes it doesn't. Actually, the reason I teach as an adjunct professor is I believe that the skills that I learn on the job, I don't like reading a book and not being able to apply it immediately. Theoretical learning is not for me. So what I look forward to in this podcast is interacting with you and discussing when did commitment-based management really work at a client and when didn't it? And what are the themes on why it worked and why are the themes that it didn't work. And then, you know, woven within each episode that we're going to be doing is we can talk about how it actually has transformed the culture here at Digineer because we can rely on commitment-based management and we'll be able to talk about the different initiatives that we do at Digineer and why they're more efficient than some of the initiatives at our clients because we are under the, um, we're operating fully under commitment-based management. Our, our team has been trained and they're ready to go. Absolutely. So we have the, the, the privilege or the, uh, the ability to say we will operate under this culture, these cultural norms and these, these practices. You can do that when your CEO says, let's do that. And you're absolutely right. When we go out into the field, A, we show up different, okay, because we're practicing CBM and people, people ask, why are you guys so different? Eventually, the, the conversation becomes, well, one of the things that we do is we have commitment-based management. And if clients are interested in our showing up and selling that as, or not selling, but uh, instituting it as a practice at the, at the client, you're right. I mean, it can happen that it doesn't always go well. And there are some factors that contribute to the su- success of it. Culture personalities. Right. And the people who are implementing it too, right? So I think about when I built my house, I wanted to have a monster, huge maintenance-free deck. And my buddy Jim Grasso was the guy that I called to to come over and build it. Jim had all these tools. He, he said, yeah, I can loan you all my tools and you can just build the deck. It'll be cheaper than hiring me. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? I could have access to every single one of your tools is not the tool that actually does the work, it's the person. And so commitment-based management is the set of tools, but then there's also the type of person who's actually going to be operating under commitment-based management. So I could have all of Jim's tools, and I guarantee I'd still want to have a deck on my house 
10 years later. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. Well, how many times as a consultant have you heard a client say, hey, can you just give me the tools and templates and then we'll just run them ourselves? Yeah, so many times. And why doesn't that work, Joe? Because requires, uh, well, I mean, it, it's, 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 a, it's a sense of uh, culturalization. Right. Institutionalization. Uh -huh. um, however you want to say that change management verbiage to be able to make it stick. Right. And requires work, both on the part of the client and the consulting company that's there to help uh, put it in. Right. So there have been times that, that our clients have asked us for this, this, and that. Give me the templates. Let me let me know how to do this. But they don't take the time to learn the lessons, practice them, and get it into their culture. And, and, and it just doesn't stick. Right. The other thing is that it isn't like... So you have to be committed... To implement commitment-based management, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. But yet it isn't like you have to learn Spanish and everyone's speaking in Spanish and has to learn a completely different language. What I love about commitment-based management, and we'll see this throughout the different episodes, is it's common language terms that you've used before, but it's just having the rigor to stick with it and to know that you'll get results when you use it. So even Absolutely. though... You know, there's there's been times when I've been asked to train at a client site. Hey, train our people to act like the Digineer people. Do that commitment-based management training. Okay, I can do that training, but if I'm in their training and they don't use it once we leave, what good is that, right? So not only is there the commitment, but it's it's just being able to stick to the rigor and having people who are going to be using this. And I appreciate your usage of the word rigor. Yeah, absolutely, of course. <laughs> the other thing is that what I like is that commitment-based management, It's so we have the interaction principles, but it also provides a framework where we can actually have meetings. I've done several seminars at Project Management Institute and the GTS educational IT symposiums on how to run effective meetings. And I have gotten so many positive feedbacks on the commitment-based management way to operate meetings. They're like, yeah, I can't believe it. Ever since I implemented that, I actually have good meetings. And then also how to um, articulate emails. To your point, you get an email. Do I have to act on it? Do I have to read it? Do I have to file it? What the heck do I do with it? And I love how within commitment-based management, if it's a request, I know I need to do something. If it says inform, I know it's more of a, hey, you should probably read this. And if it's a request for action, I'm on it. So there's so many good things about commitment-based management that I'm excited to, to cover in this podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this series. I, I think we're um, we're going to cover a lot of good material and have a lot of experience to talk about because uh, we've been doing this for a while. I was adding up the other day how many clients have I been at, and I had I had uh, nine different clients with thirteen different visits. So I'll have a client, I'll leave, they call me back. So you know, and it's fun to see how these principles can work in all of the different variety of clients. 
But it's also interesting that all clients can adopt CBM and start running with it. Have you ever added up how many clients you've been at since being at Digineer? Gus, that's like 13 and a half years. So I'd have to go back and do the math. I'd have to go back and look at history. Yeah. It's, it's been a significant amount of clients. Some have been at the rather megalith sort of size and culture all the way down to the, you know, very small business. Right. Um, so a great range in size and organization, definitely cultures. And that puts such a big influence Mm -hmm. on the ability to make CBM stick. Yeah, I'm excited about this podcast, mostly because I get to hear your baritone slash bass voice and I get to see how cool it is. But then secondly, (laughs) it's also, I love, what I love about CBM is it doesn't always promise everything to all people's. And we've implemented it in certain areas at clients. And then other departments at the client say, hey, once this Digineer team came in, you guys started doing this. How can we get that? And the whole idea about being a consultant isn't to land and spend the rest of your career there. What I love, in fact, I don't even like being called a consultant. I like being called a helper. I like being able to help a department kind of transform how they're doing, how they're interacting and how they do projects and to help them and give them the tools and train them so we can go away. That's when it's the most exciting and enjoyable for me. Well, thanks for tuning in to Digineer Presents Commitment-Based Management. Make sure you tune in to the next episode where we talk about granting trust. And make sure to follow Digineer on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. To put commitment-based management to practice, please give us feedback on how we did. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have a topic for a future episode, let us know. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Digineer Presents, brought to you by Digineer. Please be sure to follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram, and look for Digineer and all those social media platforms. We look forward to hearing from you.